Hi, I'm Jonathan Groves, and welcome to the Cranmer Fellows Podcast. This is a podcast that explores pastoral ministry from an Anglican perspective. If you are a pastor, ministry leader, or an aspiring minister, I, along with my co-host, Matt Kennedy, pray that this podcast will help equip and encourage you in your ministry to Christ Church. This podcast is an arm of the pastoral training program, the Cranmer Fellowship, at Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York. Church of the Good Shepherd is a congregation committed to following the Lord Jesus Christ and sharing the good news of His life, death, and resurrection through the study, exposition, proclamation, and application of His Word, the Scriptures. If you would like more information about the Cranmer Fellowship, Church of the Good Shepherd, or if you want to reach out to us about this podcast, please do so by emailing us at cranmerfellowship.com at gmail.com. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Matt and I are recording this particular episode uh, a, a day early on Monday because we typically do it on Tuesday, but uh by the time you're listening to this, uh, yesterday was Halloween, the the great feast of Halloween, and Halloween means so much to Matt and I that we decided <laughs> we're we're going to do it earlier. Not really, um, but our church has a drunken treat, and so uh, we will be we will be over there doing that. Um, yeah, Halloween for you guys is a pretty big deal. Um, I mean, not really for you, but you guys just your kids dress up in some great ways um typically i don't know what they're doing this year so i'll be i'm just glad they're older so they can dress themselves and we don't have to do all this it was like i hate it i mean i when, when the kids were little like infants it was kind of fun toddlers it was kind of fun but then like when they get to be like five and six seven eight nine ten you have like you have the like 20 million of them around the house trying to get them all in their costumes and and then you know they don't think about they don't know what they want to be until like the last minute so you've been you're scrambling i i just i'm so glad those days are over so yeah either all in front of you you get you get those yep days in your future it's gonna be great yeah well this (laughs) year we uh we're doing toy story so i really wanted to be buzz lightyear and i gotta say I'm, i'm very impressed with our thrift store finds uh for him um but we had a on saturday there was this there was a market on uh front street and uh they had like a kind of a trick-or-treating thing and so um they were gonna wear i thought it was just like the kids just wearing their their costumes but i was um compelled to wear mine as well and when we got there no other grown-up was wearing a costume um <laughs> except our our friends who came with us they were wearing costumes so you know i guess that's what you do for you guys, but <laughs> uh, anyway so we're um recording a little earlier um and uh uh i don't have any good transition from halloween to our our topic so we'll <laughs> just get right into it um so uh today matt i thought we um would talk about um authority or what maybe, um, what maybe a lot of people in our culture would uh, rather term audacity um, of the pastor to um, do what he does, because uh, our our culture doesn't seem to be too interested 
in following or, or listening to authority. And so we in the church, um, you know, we hold this something that might uh, ruffle some feathers. I mean, a lot of things that ruffle feathers, but this being one of them, the authority of the pastor. I'll start with um, a, a story uh, was right out of college. And I was working um, at that college. My um, girlfriend at the time, now my wife, she uh, got me tickets to a Nine Marks conference. Uh, so if you're listening, you don't know Nine Marks, ninemarks.org, Mark Dever, really good site. It's kind of an off-brand Cranmer Fellows, but um, <laughs> not really. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but uh, but so I so I left my my um, second second shift job, went, drove through the night, went to this conference, and um, it was a it was a great conference. But I went out um, to eat with a couple pastors. I wanted to talk to them about just what they thought of pastoral ministry, and and um, I think one guy picked up on timidity in me. I was timid about saying I wanted to be a pastor. I think there was some fear about it. Um, but also at my school where I did biblical studies, it was around guys that all, all of us wanted to go into ministry in some, some way, but we we're at a big school where a lot of big name pastors come through, like, like a lot of like famous guys come through. And I was afraid to like, I was afraid that some people would would think that that's what I wanted to do. So I like was afraid to be upfront and say, "Yeah, I want to be I want to be a pastor because um because there was something there. I was like, I don't want people to think I'm power hungry. But the guy at this at the dinner table kind of picked up on that and he said, "All guys who end up being a pastors have to have some sort of audacity of like you're stepping into a role that is way bigger than you." Um and then I I think I really felt the the weight of his words much later whenever I was ordained and realizing, oh man, I really have to believe that God is calling me to do this if I'm going to be doing this. I can't be second guessing myself when I get into the pulpit. Um, so there is an authority there, an authority that has to be owned. But can you, Matt, maybe tell us what exactly is that authority? What is the authority of a pastor? Yeah, it's important. It's a good question because it's easy to be confused between um, personal authority and the authority of the office, the institution, right? I mean, I, I, as Matt Kennedy, personally have no authority whatsoever. I'm <laughs> just zero um, because I'm I'm just a normal human being like everyone else. I'm a sinner like everyone else. Um, but you know, in in, in my position as director, I have I have a role within an institution that I've I've got to maintain, and it's my responsibility to to make sure that that that, that role is carried out. So you know, it's in some sense you kind of step out of your own, you have to kind of step out of your own personal thoughts and feelings about yourself, and it's really an act of love for the church and for the people you're serving. Say okay, well, I've, I'm now I'm now operating as 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 rector, and even though I might not want to make this decision personally, I had to make this, this decision, or I may not want to uh, uh, move in this direction, but I think I have to move in this direction, and, and that's that's important because I think in more charismatic circles, it can the the role of you know church leader um, can become more of personality cult and. Um, you, yeah, because you, you did see some of that in, in, I guess, the 
2010s um, with some of the you know big conference names and big you know, you know, celebrity pastors. Um, the last thing that you want is to is to create a personality cult or to or to, or to, or to, or to think of yourself as a kind of personality that could have a cult because <laughs> you're, you're not. And I think I, I think actually um, you know more most uh, uh, churches that are either mainline or descended from mainline churches have institutional safeguards to keep a person from doing that. Right. So my role as rector in an Anglican church, Anglican congregation, is pretty well defined. Um, uh, and so I, you know, I can't, there's something I can do things I can't do. We talked about this a couple of, a couple of shows ago, ago, you know, without those kind of guidelines you get from an institutional, a church that has had, uh, years and years of institutionalized structure passed down uh, from generation to generation. Um, you can't have a situation where a guy just comes in, you know, plants his own church, doesn't have any safe, doesn't have any authority structure beyond himself. And that's where it becomes really easy to become tyrannical you have to be really a person has to be really sanctified not to not to take advantage of a situation like that what are some of those safeguards that we have well we talked about them before a little bit we have we do have you know the vestry you know so i can't i mean i i'm, I'm limited in amount and in, in the direction that i can uh i can take the church with regard to um money decisions i can't do i can't spend any money at all i don't have the authority to do that but even even if you know, hiring, I have to, I can say, hey, I'd like to hire this person, but the vestry has to agree um, and, and provide the money for that. Um, I'd like to build this thing. The vestry has to agree and 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 provide money for that. I'd like this program and this material, the vestry has to agree and provide money for that. So there's, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a really material limit to what I, um, what I can do. Um, theologically, the vestry doesn't have any say over me and what I preach and what I teach. They don't have any authority over me, but the bishop does, right? So, if, so if I'm if I'm off, the bishop can uh, can step in and, and stop me. So, uh, so I here's that that's all. Those are all like external structures that that keep that should keep uh, a rector or in the Anglican world or um, there are other external structures for pastors in the Presbyterian world or the Methodist world that keep you from becoming a tyrant and yet enable you to exercise legitimate authority. You said earlier that there are decisions that need to be made um, that a rector uh, has the authority to make. What are some of those, what are some of the main decisions that a rector has to make that he has the authority to do in the church? I mean, from at a very basic level, um, I decide you know, um, what the service looks like on Sunday morning. You know, no one, no one can. That's solely my responsibility and my authority to to say this is what we're doing. Um, so I I, uh, I remember the first time I decided that we're going to have we're going to go through um, a book of the Bible preaching on Sunday morning. That was a big. Uh, decision and people were some people were not uh, not happy with that at all um but i thought it was better for the church because um i didn't think that our people at the time had a thorough understanding of the scriptures that if they had a, a kind of a shallow understanding of the nine years of bible readings that they get sometimes and sometimes listen to on, on sunday morning but that was about it so so i made that decision and that was difficult uh, we had to, I had to make a decision when I first got there. Okay, we're starting a Bible. Just just the decision to start a Bible study. 
originally a good shepherd was controversial. Um, you know, why do we need to do that? We, we, we had, you know, we had, we've learned all that in Sunday school and obviously they had not learned all that in Sunday <laughs> school, but narrator, they had not learned all that in Sunday school. Um, so, so, um, uh, just small day-to-day decisions like that, um, are, are, are places where you have to exercise your authority for the good of the church. And you have to decide despite, despite the political fallout, I, this is a necessary thing that we have to do. So because I have this authority to do it, I'm going to do it. It's going to be, it's going to take a personal toll because in every one of those circumstances, you know, I went through sleepless, sleepless nights, worry. Am I going to leave? Are, are these people going to leave the church? Is that person going to uh, uh, leave the church? Are we going to lose money? All of those things come into play. And so you can't, you, and so you do have to exercise some wisdom um, in, in the decisions you make, but ultimately your job as as rector is to is to steer the ship in a way that will um bring health and spiritual vitality uh to the congregation and so and 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 often especially if you're coming into a situation where there hasn't been health in the past uh, the, the 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 kind of cultural forces the dna in that particular parish is going to be working against you mm. so so you have to you have to you're gonna you're gonna face um strong strong attempts to sabotage what <laughs> what you're doing and you have to push through them you have to just do it and and ultimately if you if you're if you're able to do that um in a biblical way what happens is usually a church will become will right itself and become healthy well and that's interesting because if if you don't own that authority, if you don't see that, yes, I mean, I've been placed here by God to to do this, then you will let somebody else have the authority. There's yeah. there's someone's going to have the authority needs to the church, but it, ha- it needs to be God's man, <laughs> um, <laughs> and like that's who needs to have the authority. And um, the uh, so there's all so that's all so authority is always going to be challenged. Um, and ha- it was challenged in the apostles days, um, and has been all, all the way here. Um, but that then, um, I also see the interplay, uh, between the, the pastor's authority, the scriptures and the congregation, because obviously you don't want somebody to come in and just set up whatever they want to do the authority is from God's word and the congregation needs to know God's word so that they know that the pastor is teaching and doing the right thing. And then if he is, the congregation is to submit to that authority, not because it comes from the man, but, but because he is, in that moment, if he's teaching the truth from the scriptures and, and then uh, organizing the worship and in, in accordance to, to the scriptures, then, then to fight against his authority to do so would be to, this is where the audacity think of to fight against God <laughs> um, and, and his word. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And it's, it's um, you have, you have to make a decision. I mean, uh, 
I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to teach. Okay. So when you first come into a, let's say you come into a church where people don't know their Bible, right? Um, that's a, that's actually a pretty tempting position to be in. Even if you have the institutional structures around you, like we were talking about a minute ago, um, because, um, when you begin to teach your people, the Bible, then they begin to see, okay, well, now we have something we can hold this person accountable to, right? <laughs> right. So, so the way charlatans behave is they'll come in and they'll see a, a bunch of people who don't know the Bible and they won't teach them the Bible. Or if they do teach them the Bible, they'll teach it, teach it selectively and in a way that will only enhance their own personal authority um, in order to, to, to take the church in a way they want to go. So, so your, your decision as a, as a rector or a pastor or whatever to begin to teach the people the fullness of God's word is also a decision to put yourself under authority, to put yourself under, under the, 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 not under the congregation, but in some ways under the congregations, uh, uh, measuring you by, um, by the scriptures and a good pastor wants that you want your people to get come to the place of maturity where they're able to say, you know, Matt, I'm not, I heard what you said in the sermon. Um, I know what you meant, or I, I kind of get what you meant, but I think you're wrong about this. And here's why that those, um, I've, I've had conversations like that. And those are, those were some, sometimes difficult, but they're also the most rewarding ones, right? Because, because that means you have people in your congregation who are really healthy and who are trying to, to, to keep the, the congregation and you, um, accountable to, to the Bible, which is what you really want. It may not be fine at the time, but that's what you want. So we have people at Good Shepherd who interpret certain texts differently, you know, than you. Um, what are your relationships like with with those people? Yeah, so I think that this is where, in an Anglican setting, especially, you know, we don't have the We talked about this before too. The Thirty Nine Articles are pretty broad. We mm -hmm. uh, compared to the Westminster Confession or to some other uh, other confessional documents. The Articles allow a lot of you know, breathing room, free freedom to disagree and agree about things. So you're going to have Anglicans who are disagreeing about, you know, limited atonement and things like that that are uh, not 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 fundamental questions of orthodoxy, but <laughs> but that are but are but but in some denominations they are fundamental fundamental questions of orthodoxy, uh, but they're not in Anglicanism. So so I think the best way forward for an, for a rector in an Anglican or a pastor in an Anglican setting. Um, is to to be sure to know what hills to die on and what hills not to die on. I'm I'm going to be always insisting, for example, at the Shepherd that we are a church that baptizes babies because you know we're an Anglican church, we're not, and that that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. That's pretty was as an Anglican distinctive that we believe in infant baptism, right? So we're always going to be doing that. However, there are there are people who come to our church who don't agree with it, and and but but it's not it's not a question that would call uh, their faith into, into question. It's not something that would, that would indicate that they're not Christians if they disagree with me about, <laughs> about infant baptism. So those are one of those truths that we, we, that I, that I teach and I try to persuade people about, but then when they, if they disagree with me at the end of the day, we say, Hey, look, this is, this is, this is one of those things we can disagree about. We don't have to divide over. Um, we love you. Stay a good shepherd. Don't go somewhere else. If you care, we're going to be baptizing babies. You're going to have to, you know, if you come on a Sunday morning, you might see a baby baptized, but, um, but you're still welcome here and we can, we can, we can. So I guess it's just making sure you know where the lines are. And I think, 
um, I think that uh, that you know, there are even even there's some pretty significant issues that, that you can have disagreement with with within a parish. Another layer to this is is the distinction between teacher and and, and parishioner, right? So, so I think you may have been getting at this at some maybe one earlier show, maybe it was somebody else. I think it was you though. Um, there's a difference between somebody, you know, coming into the church who has uh, an ambition to lead people into this new teaching they have, right? Or, or to bring some strange doctrine into your church or uh, someone who's, who's taking kind of the role of a teacher and influencing people out of, uh, in, in the direction. There's a difference between that and someone who's really confused, who just doesn't know, who's been ha- maybe sat under bad teaching for a long time, who's had bad influence, bad influences in their lives. So you can come to Good Shepherd, for example, and you might, you might be confused about the sexuality question, for example. Uh, that's not something I think that is we can agree to disagree about. At the same time, I'm not going to kick you out because you've had bad teaching in your past, or you've had some, or you've been, you just don't know, you don't understand um, what's happening. I'm not, I'm not going to budge on that. And if you, and like, if at some point you start trying to push people over to that position, then there'll be a problem. But if you're just like, genuinely confused and you want to know how to how to navigate that, then of course, I mean, that, so I'm just saying you got to use some wisdom in the way that you um, you assess each person. Um, and and their their positions theologically. If someone comes to you and disagrees with you, you gotta say, okay, well, where where is this disagreement coming from? Uh, is this disagreement also defiance in the sense that this person is going to start trying to divide people in the church? Is this disagreement um, uh, coming from somebody who's actually teachable? Um, is this something we can agree to disagree about? All those, all those questions need to be in the, in the forefront of your mind when, when you're dealing with someone who's, who's a critic. The more I listen to you, the more I'm thinking about authority as a tool. Because if, if there's no, I said it earlier, if there's no authority, um, then, uh, you know, you'll get, walked over someone someone will have the authority but when you think of a shepherd a pastor uh the shepherd has the authority to care for the sheep to make sure the sheep are uh fed to make sure the sheep are safe and the shepherd has to have the authority to drive out the wolf because if he doesn't then the the then the sheep will be devoured and so I'm thinking, you know, just in um, I've thought about this uh, practically a lot uh, in in regard to um, you know, um, uh, you know, one one person who who comes to one of our our events um, every now and then that we put on at church, and um, he is not a big authority guy, um, and kind of sees God as having given him authority um, to be a, a prophet. Um, but I've had, you know, conversations with him and one conversation where I said, you know, he can't be doing that <laughs> in, <laughs> in Good Shepherd. Um, but I thought like, okay, well, what, you know, how, how would Matt or how would I, if I were in Matt's spot, you know, use authority to make sure people are safe from this. And that's where, you know, the practical things of like, like the constitution that we have in the, in the, 
in our in the church, our bylaws, the bylaws of even the diocese. Like you have some uh, earthly authority as well there that that helps and make sure that someone you know you can fight and make sure no they don't come back right at a certain point. Authority yeah. is a tool, something to be used to make sure the that the church is safe from from um heresy uh and but well it can be abused though so it's got to be it has to the authority has to be used in the right way it's got to be used as a as a tool to help people if it's not used you'll just be walked over and someone's going to have the authority and, and it will be bad um but where because i mean we know this happens authority is just ab- abused by sinners we well let me ask you this i mean is it um are pastors i uh uniquely um i i i guess i think pastors are uniquely in in danger of um being power hungry right because you because you have some power um so how do you keep yourself i guess i'm changing the question how do you keep yourself safe from that when you're having say a conversation with a parishioner who disagrees with you (laughs) um like how do you keep yourself safe from uh being i guess personally (laughs) hurt by that and you kind of want to I I need to be I need to be right and I need I need to be the person to to kind of I see that even in myself um, creep up. Does that creep up in you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I yeah, that, that does. I mean, it, it, I mean, uh, I think something over the course of the last twenty years I've learned to do, which I didn't do at first. It took me it took me a lot of time to learn this. Is that when I'm in a conversation with somebody and I can feel myself getting personally hurt or offended, I know I'm not going to, at that point, I don't want to offer a definitive, you know, statement about what's going on. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll tend to, in those circumstances now, I'll just tend to, it's a rule actually I have, not to say, you know, you're wrong, you're, you're, you know, not to, not to react, just maybe to say, hey, look, this is a great conversation we should continue this let's get next week or something like that and then what i'll do is go home and tell Anne about it <laughs> so, so and Anne's Anne's really good i mean and, and i imagine angel will be someone who'd be very really good for you as well but and Anne, really good at helping me sort through what's me like where my pride has gotten into the equation and what really needs to be dealt with right and when I when I'm confused about that, I need to step back from the situation and say, and ask 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 someone outside of the situation to say, am I am I acting? You know, I'm feeling really angry about this, or I'm feeling really hurt by this. Should I be, um, or even though I should be, what what should you know, is it is it is it is this something that I need to how how should I act in response to this? Um, so I, I I think that if if uh, if you're not if a pastor is not married, he needs to find someone in the parish who can help him do that. Um, find someone he can confide in who can help him, you know, see the forest for the trees because, because you're right. You're right. You, the, the, there's the, you, despite what I said earlier about the need as, for a pastor to step out of himself and act in, in a role, you're still human and you're still going to feel the hurt. You know, you're still going to feel the pain when someone critiques you 
or criticizes you or those kinds of things. So, um, so and my, my strategy may not work for you, but my strategy is, has been, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight back at this, right. I'm not going to fight back at this point. I'm going to say, let's have a meeting later and we'll talk about it after I have some time to, to process it through. Do you think that's where maybe uh, things go off the rails for people who do abuse their power is it's a conflation of like God's will and their will. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> like that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you, cause you can, you can, it's, it's a very thin line. Right. So I, uh, you know, you can, you can persuade your, you, the human ability to justify uh, the self is, is very keen. We, we, it's one of the best things we you know how to do that. Rather than, <laughs> that is, that is, we are experts at that. Every single one of us, we know how to do that. So, so the first thing that, that you'll do when you're criticized is begin the process of self-justification. Like, no, no, this person's wrong. You'll pull the Bible in, you'll pull spirituality and you'll pull your authority in. you'll pull everything. You'll pull everything in. Um, and, and again, sometimes you're right. And sometimes you're, you're being critical. Often you're being criticized because someone has misunderstood you. Someone has a bad idea because they don't know their Bible very well. Someone has um, back background stuff that's coming into it, but, but still, when your pride is poked, it's it's best to step back before responding immediately and ask someone for some advice, and then and then and then come back to the situation. Um, just because we're so we're so prone to make that conflation, like you say. Yeah, I've um, I've started to uh, tell myself whenever I uh, whenever I feel like somebody is criticizing me or uh, thinking something bad about me, I um, tell myself, well, if they only knew really what it was, <laughs> um, then they would be yeah. worse what they <laughs> what they would say. So. You know, having a very having a much lower view of my <laughs> my own education <laughs> itself has helped in that regard. It's like, oh, actually, what they think is probably way nicer in comparison to what they right. could be thinking about me. That helps. <laughs> right. Um, and I like what you said about you know you bringing it up to Anne. I do, I have done that with Angel, and I've realized, yep, she she can see right through me. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a good thing. Um. I had a conversation after church uh, this past Sunday uh, with some visitors. Really good conversation, um, but uh, they were not from an Anglican background and had a lot of had a lot of questions and um, were they sort of seemed skeptical of um, uh, kind of any institution, I guess. Uh, and I've, they didn't say this outright, but it made me think that I've, I've heard it before people who are kind of don't like institutions, don't like authority. They typically are not going to like this when we say that the pastor has the authority to preach and teach the word. Cause well, what do you mean? We all Christians were told to preach, right? The gospel. So what does it mean? What do we mean when we say that that a pastor is given authority to preach the word? And how is that different from just all Christians doing 
their duty of sharing the gospel. Okay, I I have a I I, I heard, hear those kinds of objections a lot too, from especially people coming in from these these less the less hierarchical backgrounds. But I have a hard time understanding how uh, how you can read the New Testament and come out with that because because you do have a clear New Testament hierarchy um, in the scriptures. You have the apostles first of all, who are seen as the authority figures in the in the scriptures. But then the apostles lay hands on elders in the churches, um, elders slash overseers in the churches, and they clearly also have authority to to preach and teach. And in fact, Paul uh, lays out uh, qualifications for uh, elders, overseers, and in Titus one and in First Timothy three, and then for deacons. So I, it's, it's hard. I mean, clearly there's a there's a certain office that's there um, in in the in the in the apostles' minds um, that that. Uh, certain people occupy it, other people don't. And and so, and in fact, and then you have several passages in, in the New Testament, uh, uh, Hebrews, I think 13 in particular, but other places too, where, you know, congregations are admonished to honor, honor those who are set, up, set over them in the Lord and who are preaching the word to them and not make their lives miserable. Um, <laughs> let, their, let, their, let, their, let their task be a, a happy one and not a, and not a burdensome one. So I just I don't see how you get this idea that there's not a hierarchy of authority in the church. Um, I I I I think that is born more of um, more of a and I I don't know these people. I'm not sure. I'm not saying them personally, but I think that's born more of a of a kind of American um, spirit of nobody's going to tell me what to do, <laughs> which, which you do see, I think, I think that comes to the fore and uh, some of the uh, independent movements we saw in the last 50 years. I, again, I don't know these people. I'm not criticizing them at all. This is not about them. This is about just a, a, the question in general. Um, the, the home church movement, for example, um, was, was one in which people said, well, we don't want um, the institution to tell us what to do. Um, so we're going to go back to the early form of the church, which we see in Acts, and we're going to meet in people's homes, and and kind of have this organic kind of organic kind of church movement. Um, and the problem, of course, was that that what tended to happen was you just you just get your friends group, right? <laughs> you get people who are just like you into your home, and so you tend to end up who agree with you about everything, and who are you know it's it, it just turns out to be little cliques branching off forming churches quote unquote um and and, and even in those you have human beings cannot help but have some kind of authority structure so somebody somebody emerges and those things who's the leader and guess what? it's on charis- charisma who's got the most personal personal influence personal charisma and and, and what happens well there, there's where the abuse is very often coming in because you don't have institutional structures providing for the um pro- providing for the care of the people in those in those structures so you, this is where you get the this is where you get the jim jones this is where you get the tyrant the, the crazy but very attractive and charismatic leaders who lead people to do ridiculous things um so yeah yeah sorry i i was gonna say i had a buddy uh, uh who went to one of those um like uh house there's like a um 
house church planting network conference, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, he, he called me after it and, and he said that like in conversations with people there, I don't want to just bash the movement completely, but um, right. they were, but they were like very much bought into the system as the system. Like this is what you are supposed to do. Um, which I found just pretty ironic um, because it, it it has this veneer of like, we're getting, we're getting out of that sort of structure. Um, but then, like you said, that a new structure is formed, a new authority right. is formed. It's all a new institution is, is, is born. Um, and yeah, it, you know, and, and back to the conversation that I was having with these people, I mean, these people were great. They, they weren't bashing institutions, but it just got me thinking about what exactly makes the the pastor's preaching of the gospel quote authoritative versus you know any christian out preaching the gospel to a non-believer you know what i mean um because the you know paul says that the the pastor is to exercise authority in his teaching um well, is there some, something extra special in the pastor's preaching of the gospel on a Sunday versus uh, the parishioner preaching to his, his non-believing friend on a Monday? I do think there's a difference. I, mean, I, I think the difference is, is that when the church gathers together um, for an assembly, for, a, for, for worship, um, the, the pastor then is exercising a kind of the, the role of under shepherd and um, and as as such, he has to be he has to do what Paul says to, for Timothy to do in in Second Corinthians four or Second Timothy four, which is preach the word. And and so in season and out of season, he has he has at that point the responsibility um, to set forth the scriptures in a way that will, will that will lead Christian people uh, to maturity, which is you know, that, for, that second. Uh, Timothy four comes <laughs> the command to preach the word in all seasons comes after Paul describes what the word does in the, in the believer, how it, how it brings a person to, um, to maturity. The uh, second, the second Timothy chapter three, verses 16, or 16, 15, 16. Um, so those two things together tell us what Paul means is that the preacher is the, is the one God uses to build up the, the, the people in the congregation by the preaching of the word. Um, that's different than a, than a, that's different than what happens when you see, meet somebody in an airplane and, and share the gospel with them. There's definitely authority there because anytime, you know, the, the, the scriptures are open that, you know, and, and, and rightly shared, then the, the word of Christ is, is, is put forth, but there's a, there's a different thing than that's a, that's a kind of a, a more casual, a more casual, uh, uh interaction than than someone standing up with with the authority invested in him by god in the church to explain expound and exhort from from the bible at that point insofar as that pastor is not committing some kind of heresy um some grave error uh god is is using him to to communicate his word to his people um so i think that's a huge amount of authority <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, it seems too like there's a kind of like a governing principle going on on a Sunday, like when the preacher is expounding God's word, like this is this is governing his people. Like you, like you are preaching in such a way where like you're laying down, you're laying down for all of them to see this is Christ's word respond right um whereas in sharing the gospel with you know someone on the street of course you want them to respond and you want the word to govern their life but you're right you're not in this you're not in the the office there a person is not in the office there to kind of to kind of i guess have the word bear down on that person in a in the same way as the as the preacher does on a sunday and and the people the hearers have a responsibility themselves to to hear to to really listen and and respond um so yeah that makes sense um i uh just this is where okay going back to an earlier question it's this is where defending the office becomes super important and also super dicey okay so you're going to have people in the congregation who don't like you right and as such they're going to go around and they're going to they're going to they're going to critique and undermine what you say um and and there it can come to the point where you have to actually put a stop to it because because if people can't listen to you preach if people lose trust in you as a preacher, that's endangering their souls. You, you can't have people who who are sitting there in the pews and just cynically listening to everything you say and, and back-talking you in their minds. And that's what happens when someone who does, who is intentionally out to undermine you starts talking with that purpose, right? So now here's where it gets dicey because you've got to stop that. But part of you is also like personally proudly upset that someone is treating you that way so so you've got a responsibility as as the pastor to stop it and also you're you got to be careful because you don't want it to be a vindictive personal vendetta against a person um which is how no matter how successful you are which is how that person is going to portray it <laughs> yeah that, so, so you've got this kind of almost perfect perfect storm of of conflicting interests going on um there's one i'm, I'm thinking particularly of one episode good shepherd like 10 years ago with this guy i think i told you about this he was going to to all of the older people in our church and he was doing free work for them at their house right and meanwhile he was kind of talking me down like matt doesn't love you matt matt's more interested in young families um these are people that we've known for ages we like we love them we were um, but this guy wanted to, wanted a position in the church that I wasn't going to give him. And so he, he decided he's going to undermine me. So I noticed, like, I, I noticed that after several, uh, after he'd been doing this for a while, I didn't know he'd been doing this for a while, but I just noticed people who'd been super friendly and listening with eager eagerness, people who'd been even taking notes during the sermons, suddenly just kind of sitting back with their arms crossed and, <laughs> you know, some falling asleep. I mean, I mean, I, okay. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to fall asleep in your service no matter what. But these these were people who were actually <laughs> eager before. They were actually eager before, but they just they just were turned off, you know. Um, and I couldn't figure it out until until one of 
one family or one group, uh, one couple that he'd gone to finally came to me and said, this is what's going on. Um, and so uh, we had to catch him red-handed, which we did. Um, and we we went through the Matthew 18 process, which didn't, which got short shortcutted because he just left the church. Um, but that was a that was a dicey situation. There were people who saw that from the outside in the congregation who saw that that's going on. That well, who did think? I mean, Matt's just you know he can't stand stand criticism. But that wasn't it. It was it was that these people were not here. I mean, I don't like criticism, granted. <laughs> right. But 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 these people were being were being hardened against the gospel by this person. Uh, well. Dear people were being were being. Uh, losing their trust in what I've, when I'm preaching from the pulpit, because this person is undermining my ministry. And so I had to defend that. Um, That's, you know, and this is the last thing I'll uh, mention and ask. That's hard for, I think that's, that's probably hard for any pastor to do faithfully. Um, But, you know, guys come into the ministry with totally different personalities. Um, you have guys uh, who maybe don't like or seek out conflict, but might kind of thrive in it, be be okay with it, right? Then you have guys who really, really uh, get sick in the stomach <laughs> um, and right, don't want right. to do don't want to do any of that. And and um, but every pastor has to has to own that authority that God has given him it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert introvert if you are um not you know naturally outgoing or not there's a boldness that has to that you have to have that you have to exercise in that office what would be your encouragement um and advice to a guy who is a pastor or wants to be a pastor who um you know is hearing this and um and and thinks man i don't think i could do that i don't know i don't think i could have gone to that guy and have have had that conversation or what would you say to someone like that yeah that's a good question nobody nobody goes into the pastor wanting those kinds of things i mean you don't you don't when i first imagined becoming a, a rector of some church i didn't i wasn't thinking about people subverting my ministry and trying to destroy <laughs> me from the from, from within so so i totally understand i would just say you know i do think it helps to go back to what we were saying earlier in the, in the in the conversation i think it really really helps to to train your mind to think of yourself in two different two different as two different and make that distinction between you as a person and you as a pastor um and ask god to help you this is something if you if you're if your personality is as such that you don't do conflict well um i don't think anybody does conflict well but that you don't do conflict that you you're just you're so conflict averse that it makes you shake in your boots well maybe you shouldn't be a pastor in that case that, that could be a possibility because because there is going to be compromise you have to be able to confront people right you got to be able but, to refute false teaching right that's a that's a yeah that's a legitimate I mean, and not just false teaching, you have to be able to, you have to be able yep. to keep order in the church. And it's part of the reason why the pastor has to have an orderly family, right? Because you have, if your your kids have to be under control and that demonstrates that you have the, the, the leadership qualities to keep a church under control um, or ordered. So 
So you, that may be something that's saying it's a flag saying, well, maybe I shouldn't go into this line of line of ministry. Good point. Some of them, but it, but if it, but if it, it may not be, and if but what I would what I would say is, you know, ask God uh, to help you see that distinction between person and role, your, your, who you are and what you're called to do, um, and you you can start doing that even before you're a pastor because we all you're, you're, that's that's if you have a job, right? <laughs> you have a, if you're just a, if you're a if you like my son works at Chipotle, he's a he does he does uh he's on the line preparing the burritos and he cooks the thing and he when well, he's in it when and, and it's not personal it's 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 is my son aiden being the line cook right <laughs> and as line cook he might he's got to act in a certain way that that aiden as an individual may not want to act so you have to do this in life all the time so as it, it's it's more difficult as a pastor because your whole heart and soul really is in your job but it's something you have to learn how to do and you have to and so you you need god's help to do it ask god to help you keep those lines clear and to enable you to act um to carry out the role the institution is giving you to carry out wonderful thank you We'll end it there. And uh, thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. And Lord willing, we will see you next week.